0: Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. I am so excited that today I have a special guest and I am thrilled that she decided to come and do this podcast with me because she's a big shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about my my guest today. My guest is uh, Dr. Jennifer Finlinson-Five. She's an LDS relationship and sexuality coach with a PhD in counseling psychology the reason why I wanted to talk about the topic we're going to cover today is because I'm going to start with a statistic, 57.7% mm-hmm. of marriages end because of conflict and irreconcilable differences. And among those differences are religion. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, and I live that because, it, and so I wanted to talk about that with you. I wanted to see your perspective, your your tools, your knowledge on how you help couples with this, uh, because whether you marry and you both have the same beliefs, you never Mm -hmm. know if that can last. Mm -hmm. I have heard so many couples where one or the other, like one of the to decide to leave their religion while they're mm-hmm. married. And that can cause so much strain in the marriage yes. if you don't know how to handle it. Definitely. I'll tell you a little bit about my, my situation. And as many of my followers may know, but if you're new to my podcast, I married my husband when I was younger. I thought I was going to marry someone that had all the check boxes that my mom told me to check off mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right returned missionary right. go get married yeah. in the temple in the where we get married in our church uh right. and he had to be a member of the same church as i do i i it's like i mentally went completely the opposite <laughs> right he had no religion I, he was raised by her grandma teaching him some religion but he never practiced anything. He had no idea. So he was like, "I don't need it." He was mm-hmm. fine, not. And I, here I was on the opposite side of the spectrum. I, I, it's my religion is everything is what I do every day, how it guides my daily life, every action. Right. So for me, the first eleven years was me trying to make him <laughs> or convince him yes. that my side was better. Right. For eleven years, I used my religion as a way to separate us. I didn't know. I thought I was doing it right. I thought I was helping him. Sure. I thought I knew better. I have. You're hey, trying to get have, him onto the right path. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Hey, I have something good for you. Like, look, I have candy. <laughs> Come, <Yeah. laughs> this is sweet. This is awesome. Your life can be so much better on this side. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to see it because he didn't need it. To hit. that was, and so. Finally, after 11 years, I was like, my religion is more important than our marriage. Eventually, mm-hmm. essentially, I did not see it that way. Obviously, I mm-hmm. was like, I-, I want to be strong in my marriage, in my religion, and you're not helping me. You're mm-hmm. making, you're pulling me down. That's, that's, and most right. women think that way, right? Yes, yes, right. Um. So, well, we were divorced three years. Mm-hmm. And after three years, we got back together. Oh wow. The grass is not always greener on the other side. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Um we got back together and after trying it for 4 years and not working again we fell into the same patterns, the power struggle, you come my way, no you come my way. I found life coaching and mm-hmm. I learned how to be happy without making him do anything. Yeah. Letting him be And respecting the way he wants to live spirituality, whatever that looks like, yeah, whatever that looks like. So that's kind of a little bit background on my life and my relationship. And I know how hard that can be because I've been on on the other side. I was on the side where it it can be really hard going to church, going to uh, when people talk about certain topics at church and you are sitting by yourself. Yes. With your kids, it can be hard and it can turn into resentment if not addressed. So, my next, my first question would be from your experience with working with couples, how can a marriage survive when there's differences in beliefs, values, and religion? And there's a little more into it yeah. there, but I'll let you answer that first part of the question. Sure. Well, first of
0: all, Differences are just hard in general in marriages, right? Differences about how to raise the kids, political differences, right? A lot of families have felt that in their families or in their marriages when they have been in a country that's very divided politically. And then this is sort of coming home um, and basically worldview differences. So they're very, very challenging. And, um, it sounds like when you first got married, you kind of knew the difference existed, but you were hoping you could change it. Um, For many people, they started out in a very similar place or they believed they did. And then one person starts to really believe differently or they go in different directions. Right. Um, In terms of how they relate to faith, one maybe goes more conservative and one goes more liberal in that relationship to faith. But It can be very difficult to share a sense of intimacy, of psychological, emotional, intellectual intimacy, when you have very different ways of looking at the world. And some of these are just ideological differences, and some of this is developmental differences. And what I mean by that is you can have two people who have very rigid ideas about the the world and what makes it work, They're just going in different directions. I see this a lot in politics, right? So they're just as unyielding, as dogmatic, as superior as their partner is. They're just clinging to different ideologies. And then there's differences in couples where one is maybe clinging to a more black and white worldview. And the other can understand that, but has kind of moved into something that's more spirit of the law, to use language from our faith, more more nuanced, more able to see the value without being as rigidly attached. And even that can be a very stressful difference in a couple who's saying, hey, you're not checking the boxes and it's stressing me out. So, um, So your question is a big question because it depends a little bit on on where the couple is struggling, but I just want to start by validating the fact that this is a painful difference because to feel that you're sort of in the same corner, that you're in the same foxhole, you know, that's a big deal in marriage that you're joined in sharing. How do we help our child? How do we, what is our goal as a couple? And when these two worlds seem to have no overlap or very little, it can really drive a sense of is isolation, despair, loneliness, um, and the desire to get the other one to see things right will quote unquote, will be very high. So I don't know if you want me to keep going or,
1: or yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's okay. Cause I, yeah. yeah. And for me, what, what helped me um, go beef, go from two different corners. And I totally can relate with yes. that because I, I would go to therapy and tell my therapist, like, I feel like I'm, I'm on my own. I feel like I, I don't like he's, he's over there. He's not on my, in my corner. Right. I would say right. that I remember saying those exact words. Yep. So when you said yep. that, I was like, yes, that resonates with me. Um, what, what do you help couple? How do you help couples? find a common ground. Because I believe that you can have a a marriage. The marriage can, I am proof that marriage can uh, work when you have those differences. And it's, so what, what do you help with? So
0: um, it's a good question. I'm going to see if I can articulate the answer well or not, but, um, (laughs) but, you know, I think that the number one destructive thing to do even though it's extremely intuitive, is to try to convince or get the other person to be more like you. Now, this is usually what most people do. And that's their marriage and they fight and they struggle and they're in a constant power struggle because they don't want to deal with who their partner actually is. And they also don't want to deal with how their partner sees them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so rather than that, they just stay behind their in their trench, you know, and they are just Lobbing over the arrows or whatever, um, to try to get the other person to, you know, they're defended, and they're trying to compel the other person to their view, but they don't actually. This never goes anywhere. It just creates resentment, hostility, and deeper dividing lines. Yes, it drives division. People get more extreme in their positions. You know, you know. I mean, I think this has to do, a lot to do with the divides in our country. Is that? is just that as each side would take more and more kind of extreme reactive positions, it would justify the extremity on the other side. And so it's very hard to get into any shared common ground. Okay, so how do you get into common ground? Well, first of all, I think you start to understand the other perspective rather than just using any bit of data there to to make your argument like get into the mind and psyche of the other person now this sounds very very easy but it's really difficult very few of us want to do that and do you have any thoughts
1: about why yeah, a- yeah. <laughs> i'm like i know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah yes it is hard i i remember in the beginning when i decided to stay in the marriage I, I I was like okay I'm going to use all the tools I know to be able to change the way I react when he has a different opinion on parenting, on religion, on politics, right. on on whatever, right? I, so I decided to, it was hard at first, like, my yes, brain sure. would want to go to, like, oh, criticize, like, everything yep. he had to say and be like, oh, but he's wrong. No, 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 but he, no, he doesn't know. I need to tell yep. him, right? Yep. And, and I, I noticed, later on that I did that with my son as well. Like, like I have yes. to say it, I have Absolutely. to say it. it's my right, right? We're told that it's my yeah. right to say and stand up for what I believe in, right? We're told that it's that right. you should. So I, right. I had to stop. I had to yeah. really focus second by second, minute by minute, really choose what my words were going to say. And one, one little tool that helped me was like to ask myself, does this help me connect with him or love him more or not? Right. And I would be like, oh, no, it doesn't. So, okay, we're not going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) And And also like just knowing like, I wonder why he's thinking this way why would yeah. he want to do that like really get curious why why yes. is he why would he be feeling this way why would he be thinking that way and it gets me into thinking like and actually worrying about like his past and and really be curious about why he's reacting yes. and thinking this way it brings compassion which leads to love and forgiveness yes. right
0: yes and it also brings out the best in your partner right you know if oh if, yeah my spouse is saying something and I have a yeah, but in my head and a justified one, of course. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> you know? yeah. uh, if I lead with that, it just it just drives a struggle. Right. If I truly lead with what I actually believe is true in what he's saying, what I actually understand is a fair point. Right. If I just go there first right not i don't mean it manipulatively i mean like okay let's just concede where common ground exists here i do agree with your point i do agree that this is you know what you're saying is true because even to acknowledge that commonality calms the other it calms both of you to be able to then more reasonably perhaps say this is where i don't see it the same way i think i i understand that you see it this way i understand the reason you do it makes sense to me that you see that this is also why I tend to think of it this way, right? It just makes it easier for both people to kind of get truth on the table and differences on the table in a constructive way. So, but yeah, it's super hard to do because I think also we tend to think if I just understand, or if I don't stand up for my right to say what's true, I mean, I love how you're saying that, because <laughs> then so much where our limbic brain is operating, like I have a right, you know, And yeah, we have a right to our own feelings, but I don't know that we have a right to trample everybody else's feelings and thoughts. And so we kind of confuse our need to convince and compel with a right within ourselves. And so we're afraid if I don't do that, I'm going to lose hold of what I think and feel and believe. Or if I seek to understand, get curious, like you say, maybe I'm going to lose hold of something that I. Feel I need to make sense of my world and myself. So it's a real act of faith and love. That's why faith and love are virtues is because this doesn't come easily. Okay. To actually no. really seek to understand, to to quote Stephen R. Covey, to seek first to understand, then be understood. I mean, that's like heroic work sometimes to just not go in the yeah, but yeah, but, but just be like, why do you think that and and when you pause and you really understand your child or your spouse's perspective you're like dang i i get that that makes sense to me you know when i've listened to people who think very differently politically from me i'll be like okay i get that i can get why that makes sense where when it's just from my perspective i think that makes no sense you must be mm-hmm. crazy right so so um and so that seeking to understand just opens up an understanding of what people, what your spouse's experience is, what, what your child's experience is, what another person that matters to you experience is, and why they see it as they do. Not only does that open up a, a, some common gr- ground, because like, oh, we're both humans and we both care about something, even if we're approaching it differently, but it also eases the conversation because nobody's working out common ground when when the battle arrows are flying and so yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) i
1: one thing that helped me with my with my kids when it came to parenting and our differences because i was like very strict and he was very like let them be It's, just, it's yeah. okay. like, yeah. so again, completely opposite. And so for the first 11 years, we were constantly fighting and I made it mean like, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't yes. care about these kids. Yeah. One thing that helped me come to common ground was actually asking him, what are your values? What values do you want to teach our children? Yes. And when he told me the values, like we shared, like, these are my values. What are yours? Yes. Like the, and these are the values I want to pass excellent. on to my kids. Excellent. And the reason why I do what I do is because I want to pass on these values. It yep. ended up being that we shared like three out of five. Exactly. And I was like, oh my gosh, all these years I thought we were completely opposite. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It was an excellent that, point. Yeah. It was just that he was living and portraying the values in a different way. Right. That's it.
0: That's right. And also what we can do is we can be in our values, but in a defensive and sort of extreme way, like you're being too rigid and critical. Therefore, I'm just going to be really laissez faire because I don't think things should be so critical. But you know what I mean? Like, but they're actually over enacting that value, but in defense or in sort of an antagonistic relationship to the other side. So When you can come together, you can think about, okay, what's going to actually create that value of freedom and ease and autonomy, for example, is what we're both doing going to actually create that? Because then you can each kind of curate your behavior a little more to actually stand up together for that shared value rather than being in a struggle around those values. So it's like not only does it clarify, wow, we actually share much more, which most couples do, even around religion. Mm -hmm. and politics. People are human after all, and we share a lot of human values, right? We just tend to think about them or get ideologies that kind of, you know, make us feel secure and like we belong to something. But in reality, the values are pretty universal. And so if we can scrape off the kind of specifics of how we think about that value and get to something more core, Well, couples are often very similar. Even somebody who's left a faith doesn't believe in God even can share a lot of the same human values of I want my kids to grow up and to love other people and to be capable of fidelity and loyalty and to be good parents and 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 contributing citizens and to live in a peaceful country and, you know, and for our for to feel safe right and so we 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 share these things because we're all cut from the same cloth but when we don't look for the humanity in the other it's very very easy to lose sight of it and see the other as a threat to what you value
1: yes that's what it, exactly yeah we mm-hmm. we do see and 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 it leads to more disconnection more like a resentment and it it, it puts a wall up, right? That's, that's what it was. It's just, my husband was like, wall up, you speak, wall up. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Because I was so aggressive towards like defending. Oh, I, yes, 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 absolutely. (laughs) And so you work against your own
0: goal. You, you know, you like are, you are putting up, you're supposedly standing for your right, but in fact, you are closing down any likelihood of creating something shared because we're so busy defending our egos,
1: yes, mm. that's yep that that was the first <laughs> yeah, eleven yeah. years of my marriage, so yeah. yes, i and and i'm I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh that that was <laughs> that was hard for both of us, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, no wonder it's a painful way just, to do it,
0: yes, it's a very it intuitive, it's a very human way to do it, but a very, very painful one, yes. Because You know, when we indulge that self-righteous, defensive, you know, in my courses, I talk about couples losing strategies and I borrow some from Terry Reel's work, but I've added another, you know, good, you know, good bunch of them because I see so many losing strategies in couples. And, you know, we these are these sort of ego driven. Limbic brain driven responses when we're up against difference that just wreaks havoc on our relationships and our own peace of mind. And so if we can just stop ourselves from that ego defensiveness and extend an olive branch, seek to understand, really, really look to understand your, your spouse's perspective. Well, you, life gets so much easier because then you're like, he's not the boogeyman I thought. You know, he actually does value this. Thank goodness. Like, how can we create this? He even has some sense of, you know, of what it is to be good in the world, right? Even if he doesn't believe religiously like I do. And I share a lot of his perspective on that. So how do we create that with our children? And, you know, there's a lot more that people can work with if they can calm their egos down. Um, you know, one of my favorite scriptures or or is when Christ says that you lose yourself to find yourself. Now, a lot of people think that means be a doormat and a martyr and let people take advantage of you and then you'll find yourself in the next life, you know, when you get your reward. But I think what it means is you lose your ego, right? You lose your ego defensiveness, your obsession with being right, your obsession with control, you know, your obsession with fear. You lose that and have courage and love the people around you enough to understand them, to understand how they think about the world. To understand how they experience you—that's the scariest one—and you know—and—and and in that, lose your ego, but find your strength, find your peace of mind, find your soul in that. So our ego is the enemy
1: to our peace. Mm-hmm. And I, as you were saying, them like yeah, I it. My relationship has become fun. Actually, I didn't know that I could. I was never very open, and I didn't know. And I would hear people, "Oh, my husband is my best friend." I was like, (laughs) "Yeah, "Yeah, no, the one that gets everybody mad." Yeah, (laughs) no, I'm like, "What, my best friend? I can't. I can't even sing in front of him." Yeah, no, I would. That could never. We would go on dates, you know, check off the box. Sure, we would not even talk. We were not even talking because I were like, we don't have anything in common that that I I kept repeating. What am I going to talk to him about if I don't have anything in common? And I don't like we are so opposite. What am I going? That was Mm. my dialogue. And now the difference between now is now we are. I really enjoy being with him. I want to be with him. I can't wait till my kids leave so I can be just with him alone. (laughs) That's wonderful. <laughs> Good for you.
0: It's really, truly, truly worthy of respect because you took what sounds like a pretty antagonistic, self-righteous ego battle, and you turned it into a marriage. And I love to see that. That is a wonderful thing. And I think another piece of your story that I meant to highlight earlier is that there was basically an acceptance as well. Like, I'm not going to change him. I, this mm-hmm. is who he is. And that's very important, too, because, you know, sometimes we're so busy trying to get the other one to yield to the shape we want them to be. We don't actually take a moment and say, this is the person I'm with. Can I choose this person? Can I handle and love a person who thinks differently than me, who does the world differently than me? It's partly why I chose him. It's because I was attracted to those things. Right? Right. Now I want to change it and be like, hey, you're betraying me because you're not what I want right now and what makes me feel good. But I chose this person that's different than me. And can I accept and extend some compassion to this person who lives in the world differently than I do and make some room for him? Right. That that's that is a. Again. Very easy to say it on a podcast. It's another thing to do that because that literally expands your soul to do that. Not resentfully like, fine, I'll accept the loser. I don't mean that. I mean (laughs) that you are saying, okay. So you think differently than me. You do the world differently. And rather than sit around and scrutinize and judge it and tell you how it's wrong, right? Understand there's gifts in it. There's beauty in it. There's difference in it. And it's what I was attracted to in the first place. And make room for that person as well as myself, but make room for that person. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. It, I, I always say I fell in love with him for the first time after 17 years. And I, when I found out who he really was, because I stopped telling him who he needed to be. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know how amazing he was. I didn't know because he was trying to be someone he wasn't. Someone that I was telling him to be and half of the time he would fail, obviously, (laughs) and fall short. So he eventually gave up trying. Yes. So my wife
0: is never going to love me. Why
1: try? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what I do, I'm wrong. Yep. So when I removed that, I allowed him to be who he wanted to be, how he wanted to show, show up and one of my favorite qu- quotes is from Stephen Hawking's, when you remove expectations, all you have left is bonus, like everything becomes yes. a bonus. And that's how I view him. Whatever he wants to give me, like, I embrace it like that, what how he speaks his love language. I embrace it and I appreciate it, which a- amplifies when we do that, <laughs> yes. it's yes. just the other person wants to do more. Oh, you like that? Oh, okay. Listen, yeah, like it's he so true. To live so, great yeah, he became so affectionate. Where for years I was like, I wish he was more affectionate. I wish he was more loving. Yeah. I wish he was. He would tell me more things about how I looked. Like I wish. Now it's like, sure. oh my gosh, too much, too much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Stop adoring
0: me all the time. This yes.
1: That- <laughs> I'm not That's kidding. Wonderful. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, like, and it's so it, true. It's the same person. It's the
0: same person. And it's how do you look at them? And you know, one of the things I have been right. writing about lately is just how kind of beauty is is in the eye of the whole. It's like how you see the world how do you see your children? How do you see your partner? Right. And, you know, even understanding my spouse, cherishing me is about the gift of him seeing me in that loving way. It's not just about, oh, I'm so great. It's that I, there's kindness and grace there. Mm -hmm. There's compassion there. And so when we can see each other properly, well, not only do we bless our relationships, but we start to see real beauty you know i was saying to my husband this morning it's it's easy as a parent to focus on what your kids aren't doing and hey that other kid seems to have no problem with that why don't why do you have i mean i'm not ever saying these things but but you know that your mind can go in that direction when there's just so much good so much gift so much beauty but it's just easy to look past it uh, just take it as a given rather than cherishing that and it's it it blesses everything when you can see truthfully it doesn't mean you don't see the differences or don't see things that maybe are a challenge or a problem, but you see it in the proper perspective of all the good and the beauty that's there.
1: I, I think we covered really good that question. So I wanted to go into the next part of it where, sure. so, cause I've encountered a lot of women where they think their husband needs to step up to the plate uh, mm-hmm. spiritually, religiously, mm-hmm. because in the Bible you see that the man is the the head of the household mm-hmm. and he should lead the, the family and they take mm-hmm. it so literal that they, when they their husband is not doing that, they find themselves in the waiting room, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Dr. Sue's book. Mm-hmm. Um they like there's this waiting waiting and praying, waiting and praying that one day their spouse will eventually start praying, start reading their scripture, start going to Mm. church, start doing the right things, quote unquote. Sure. Um, So then they can be the best version of themselves. And I've heard this. I've been, I'm in Christian Facebook groups and that's what I hear. And, and they're like, I'm just going to keep waiting and praying and I know it'll happen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so (laughs) it kind of cracks me up. I'm not sure why, but
0: (laughs) I mean, I think the reason maybe why it cracks me up a little bit is that it's a kind of, you know, it's, you're supposed to be the patriarch or the leader or the, you know, the one, but I really know what's true. And I'm here to just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of like, I get what really is going down, but I've got to pretend like, I don't so that you do it. it there's this kind of fundamental yeah. manipulation in it and a covert superiority in it. And I mean, I I do think many men in relationships like this can feel a sense of what you've been talking about, a kind of emasculation or why even try, Or they just sit back and they can take advantage or they can just let the the angry wife kind of you know, sometimes covertly angry, but just kind of be in their self-righteous frustration and they just kind of stay away and don't pick up any responsibility. But to your point, I mean, rather than patiently, self-righteously waiting and praying, because I think there's a lot of covert superiority in that and it kind of gets you off the hook to really love Mm -hmm. your partner. I think instead to do much what you said, which is what are your values with the family? What do you think is, and I don't mean like, what are your values? Yeah. I don't mean like a challenge. I mean, a real question. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What makes it, you know, what, what do you believe is important for our children? What do you think is important for them in a religious spiritual sense? And I don't mean when they give the wrong answer, you fight them. You want to really understand their answer. Now this pushes for more responsibility because if he's just going to fight you, he doesn't have to actually really take responsibility for his position. You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get my child to do something and I'm like, hey, you really should, you know, start your homework or you really should, you know, be like, I was going to, you know, I get into a struggle with me because I'm taking it on. Where if I just ask the question of, you know, uh, how are things going with your homework? Are you feeling ready for, you know, this upcoming project? That is asking a real question, but it's pushing them to address themselves and their own values rather than get into a struggle with me. So, to your point and what you did with your spouse, which is who are you in this? What do you value? If we were to be leading our children in a good direction around faith, what would that mean for you? And to encourage and make room for it. Because it's not leading when you're just showing up and doing what your partner thinks you should be doing, right? That's basically being a follower while looking like you're being a leader, right? And that's not leading. If you're like, what are your actual values? What would you like to offer to our family and our children? Again, not as a challenge, but as a real question and to make room for that. Well, it at least increases the chances of a partner stepping in to a more
1: collaborative
0: relationship with
1: you. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, yeah, I, it's funny because maybe like two months ago. I asked my husband this question like how do you how do you deal with like the differences in between us too like mm-hmm. how I'm very religious and, mm-hmm. and you're you're religious in your own way right like how do mm-hmm. you deal with it when it comes to the kids and his answer shocked me he was like mm. oh i would never stop you from teaching the kids and taking them to church because i believe our kids need that I mm. believe our kids need to have a foundation, something to look up to, something to like keep them grounded. And mm. I know you're doing a great job. So I would never stop you from doing that. And I was like, mm. ah. it's <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> all
0: right. This is awesome. Yeah. Right. That you could really understand that he valued what you yes. could genuinely offer. Right. And that yeah. maybe he didn't feel like he could offer it in the same way, but he still really saw it as a valuable experience. And way of thinking for them,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and finding that he actually he is supporting me, yeah. Whether exactly. he comes to church or not, he supports my like how I parent our children. He supports yeah. that I, that and values the same things I value.
0: Yeah, that right.
1: is like oh, it connected me even more to him. Yes, it made me realize oh my gosh, yeah. like this really is important to him. Like, yes, we don't talk about it as often. He actually
0: values but- what yes. I am able to offer to them. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
1: Yes, yeah. and it all came down because I was curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it wasn't a challenge to him; it was more of a real question. Yes, and, and therefore he could really answer how he experiences it. Yeah, I yeah. love those kinds of moments. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, what other? Uh, tools or or advice which you give our listeners who are who find sure. themselves in the situation where they want to continue being strong in their re- in their religion and keep the marriage they still want to be in the marriage but their spouse is in a different uh oh, headed, so, a different yeah, way couple of thoughts
0: i have and i am going to do a mini course on this very topic because i have a lot of people who 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 need a little more of these principles and ways of thinking because they're in a crisis around it or their, their marriage is struggling because of it. But I think, um, you know, two, two thoughts, maybe as you come to more common understanding, okay, I really, we both value hard work, loyalty, honesty, you know, the principles that you come to understand, what do we each value as partners? Even if we think about how to approach those in a different way, Well, then you can still, I still think it's very valuable. One of the things that we do in the LDS church is family home evening, or or at least I grew up doing family home evening, but Mm -hmm. a kind of family night or a, you know, scripture study or kind of a family discussion, right. In a regular way. And so I think families can use this as an opportunity to communicate values that you both share. So, that kind of inoculates your child from if they have a faith crisis and no longer believe as the believing parent believes, they still have these sort of foundational values. And you can teach those values from your scriptural texts. You can teach them from good literature. You can teach them from Aesop's fables. You know, you can draw on lots of different um, from good poetry, from just you you can draw on lots of resources to teach these human values that you both really believe in, even if you approach them from different angles. So it's like a way of offering your best to your children in a way that you can share. And even the act of doing that is its own powerful model of creating a marriage in differing ideological positions. Um, The other thing I would say is a lot of parents worry we can't give our children one point of view. We can't give them a way of thinking, and that has got to be stressful and confusing for them. And in a way, it is a little more stressful and confusing. It's a little bit like raising a child in a bilingual home. They often will start speaking later because they're processing a lot more if they're hearing two different languages all the time. However, the gift is on the other side, they speak two languages fluently. Yes, And so the same can be true with faith differences. You can you can say, well, I think about it this way. This is my belief. My my conviction is this. But I know that your dad or your mom thinks about it differently. And you could either say this is my best sense of how the other person thinks about it. Or you could ask them how they think about it. But you're actually making room for them to process two different ways of thinking about the same challenge. And I think it helps our children be better moral thinkers. It helps them handle more complexity. And even if it's a little disorganizing at first, it is a real gift to them on the other side. They won't be simple-minded about someone who's strongly faithful. They won't be simple-minded about somebody who is not. And so that is a real gift.
1: Oh, I love that you said that because I I am um, seeing it in real life time yeah. um, and with the both languages as well. Yeah, <laughs> My son is yeah. like, no, I I understand. I'm actually getting paid more because I speak Spanish. And I'm like, yes, yes. okay, exactly. it was exactly. worth all the, the, the struggle, yes. right? Of teaching him two languages. Yes. Um, so that's just, I'm like, yeah, I get, yeah, that's true. And, yes. But also with the religion, um, teaching my children that dad lives his life this way and it doesn't make him a bad person yes just exactly. because he wants to do these things that in our religion those are things that we choose not to do that all are right. recommended that we don't yes. do it does not make him a bad person yes. i remind my children like look at all the good things that he does look at and that even if he does that to him that's okay so yes. he has different views and values uh, of how he wants to live his life, but it doesn't make him a bad person because I think that's kind of how I re- I was raised, right? It's like oh, you're not doing the right things, so you're a bad person. Like you're going right, to go to hell, exactly. Like right? ultimately, very, right? Yes. Like that's that's how right. I I was raised, or you're not going to be blessed, and that's right. The whole family is not being blessed because you're not following. The, like exactly. That's- so the other thing you're speaking to, which I love, is that
0: as you've come you're still different and you, you know, how you approach the world and you, but you've extended much more acceptance to each other. But -hmm. on top of that, you've extended much more um, actual valuing of the other view. So you're, you're saying, he's like, no, I, I actually value what you're offering to our kids. And you're saying to your kids, this, this is not the right way to understand faith. Like this, that dad is a good person, even though he's doing it differently. And so it's an expansion of your faith. It's, it's, pulling for the best in each of your perspectives to really make room for the good in the other. And that's a true v- form of collaboration and finding higher ground, not just common ground. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Um, it it really has helped my children uh, with their friendships and who they they surround themselves. They are more accepting, more yes. Uh, inclusive, because and I hate that word; it's being used, mm. but that's the first word yeah. that came up. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I yeah. I love that they are more accepting towards uh, people having different views and different religions, and and I love that because it's funny because all his friends are Christian and they all have different. My oldest son, they all have different religions, and they are yes. best friends. They exactly, they, it's and non threat. No, no, it's not like they help each other with what they each bring from their religion and they support each other in each accomplishment through that they have they're going through. And I love seeing that. I, I love that. And he has my son has told me because he's the older one. So he's already experienced more how it has really helped him. Uh, To see other people in a different way, and it causes less conflict as well when he can see and and value things that are different than him. Um, So it really does help our children be better, which is what we want. We want to help raise these human beings that are that can be around differences and not freak out and not. be the end of the world, um, because people are different.
0: Exactly. Much like the language metaphor can now have conversations with much, much broader range of people when you speak more
1: than one language. Right. Yes. I love that. Um, so how do you think we can stay connected to each other and, and love each other? when there's disagreements? Is there something else that like you would like to add to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, disagreements
1: suck for
0: lack of a better word. <laughs> that sense, that. <laughs> you know, when you're like up against that difference, it's like, Oh, come on, just see it. Like the way I see it. Let's just right? do it the way I think we should do it. Do we have to be in a struggle over that? Right. Again, easier to say than to do, but the faster that you can calm down around your own view and understand the other view, the faster you're out of a struggle. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then you can figure out, is there something here that is true about what my spouse is saying? I mean, I'm talking, you know, there's religious differences. And then there's just like sometimes logistical day-to-day differences of how you handle something. And so if you can just seek to understand, wait, why do you think that's a better way to go? Why are you afraid of us teaching that idea? Like, tell me about how you think about it. That Again, it just takes the guard down. it It allows you to kind of think, okay, now the more you do this, the better you get at it. The faster you can jump out of the defensive posture and towards something more collaborative, the more you trust each other to ultimately be on one another's side. But it doesn't mean that something's going wrong with difference. Difference is a virtue. It actually helps us, you know, many times my husband has disagreed with something, and as he articulates his view, I'm like, okay that I agree with that. And it's helped me make a better choice. It's helped me be wiser. It's helped yes. me expand my own view of things. And so it's a gift, even though I don't, I don't say thank you in the first moment. I'm like, ah, I don't <laughs> want your stupid point of view, but, <laughs> uh, but it just helps you be wiser. And so you can embrace that difference yes. or you can fight it the whole way and get into your narcissistic demand that the world yield to you and suffer every step of the way. And that's really our choice.
1: Yes, I I love that you said that because I'm like, yes, I I have learned because of this process I I appreciate my husband's opinion so much yeah. more. Because now I understand that he balances me, he grounds me, his opinion helps me be not be so strict. When it comes to the parenting, it helps me not like be more open-minded because like he, we balance each other now, instead of fighting against each other, we help each other balance through our differences. Yes. Um, And I love it because I'm like, please tell me, please speak up. Like, whenever he's like, oh, I didn't want to say anything, I'm like, no, speak up. If you see that I am like going above and beyond, like, speak up. I want you to tell me, like, how you feel about how I'm reacting or how I'm parenting. Now I want his opinion. Yeah. Now I want him to speak up. Yeah. It's a good self check. It's a yes. Yeah, exactly. It's a good reference point. Yes. Whereas we before I was like, you, if you speak up, it better be what I'm saying. Pay. Yeah. It better be backing <laughs> me up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly. else. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, is there anything else you would like to say um, before we close this podcast, which I could Well, I just,
0: to- just to. I think it helps to have compassion on ourselves in the process we're involved in because it never was meant to be easy. But, you know, a lot of times we're like, what's the matter with you? Or what's the matter with us that we struggle around these things? And, you know, you put two different people together and say, go create a life. You know, it's a big project. And so you have to develop capacity to do it if you're going to actually find peace like you have found. And so, and even when you've found more peace, it can still be easy to want to regress and go back to your mm-hmm. ego defensiveness, mm-hmm. but the better you get at it and the more reward you get from it, the more you're like, why would I do that? Like, you know, yep. I'm going to offer better here. I can do better. I can come and say where my spouse was right. I can apologize. I can acknowledge the 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 legitimacy of their perspective, even if it is different than mine. And be humble and genuine about that and still hold on to the dignity of my own perspective, right? My own experiences that have led me to my perspective. So just understand that it it wasn't meant to be easy. So nothing's going wrong. And you can actually use it to grow yourself into a more soulful, mature, loving person, right? A person that doesn't have unenforceable demands on life and a person who can see the beauty in it in themselves, in their partner, in their children, in life, and that is well worth that soul stretching work.
1: Yes, it is. Life, um, it is. Life is easier, and marriage is enjoyable, fun. I I thought I would never say that. I'm yeah, saying it. Yeah. It is fun, enjoyable, and it helps manage those those difficult moments way better because again, it's, we're going to go through the, like the difficult times, but it makes it so there nothing has gone wrong. This is right. good. Like exactly. it's we're meant to fight. We're meant Great. to struggle. Yes. We're yes. meant to have differences. And sometimes they don't work out at the and Then we come back, but it's just, nothing has gone wrong with That's that. Right. It's right. it, this, it's, it's like, fact, it was always supposed to right. be. In fact, yes. it's all gone. very yes. right. You no, know,
0: in that sense of just letting it evolve you and and to be better friends, truer friends. It's, it's a real it's a real gift to give yourself even and the marriage because life's tough. And so to actually have someone you're lying next to that you like being with, that you respect, that even if begrudgingly sometimes because their perspective is annoying, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that is a real wonderful thing to have in life.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It is. It is. Thank you
1: so much, Jennifer, for being here. I appreciate your kind words and your advice and everything we spoke was beautiful. And I'm so glad that you came today to our podcast. Again, I will leave every um, link that you gave me in case anyone wants to reach out to you, go through the courses and retreats that you offer and listen to your podcast podcast. And So I'll put all those links down on the description below of this episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again, and I You're appreciate so welcome. your time. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.